If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. I think one of the hardest things about being human is learning how to let your heart not be hardened. St. Paul has a line in Corinthians where he says, I am who I am because of God's grace. Another way to say that is there but for the grace of God go I. Whether it's the first time someone takes our toys in the sandbox against our will or the hundredth time a family member has hurt us, we have all been hurt in big and little ways. If it's a big offense, it leads to anger and hate. If it's a small offense, it allows resentment to grow, which is a slow burn leading to the same result. Neither is better. Both help to harden our hearts. Great and big, I'm sorry, great and small offenses make us put up defenses because people can't hurt me if I don't let them in. And God certainly can't hurt me if I don't let him in either. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The first stanza of the psalm is used to spark the excitement of the reader. It is nothing more than fitting and right praise to God. If you remember from the 12 tribes of Israel, each one had a specific role, and the tribe of Judah was responsible for the praise of the Lord. Its name, in fact, means praise. They were always first when the caravan of people were on the move so that the praise of the Lord would go first. Our psalm is written in the same way. Come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord, it says. Where do we hear about singing joyfully to the Lord in the scriptures? First, we have Miriam, the sister of Moses, who breaks forth into a great song of thanksgiving to the Lord after the people of Israel are delivered from Pharaoh through the Red Sea. We then have Mary, the mother of God, break out into song during the Annunciation from the Archangel Gabriel. So it would seem that there is precedence for turning your emotion to song and crying out to the Lord. The psalm continues with liturgical instruction. Let us come into the presence with, I'm sorry, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. It tells us that we should not come to the altar unprepared. Part of being thankful is taking time to realize what we are actually thankful for. So we need to take time in prayer to thank the Lord for the good things he has given us and allow his voice to touch our hearts. So that when you come to Mass, we would know why we are here and what we are thankful for. This is another way to keep your heart from hardening. If we are only focused on what we do not have, then we become bitter and resentful. But if we focus on what we do have, then we become thankful. The psalm continues with its liturgical instruction as it says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. What does it mean to say bow down in worship? Does this mean to sing on your knees? Not really, unless that is the way you want to pray. But please do not confuse prayer with worship. I think in an attempt for ecumenism over the last couple of years, we have adopted the title praise and worship to describe a wonderful musical style of prayer. But this idea of worship dilutes the Catholic true notion of what worship is. And here's what I mean. Our Protestant brothers and sisters will often make the claim that as Catholics, we worship Mary and the saints. And I can totally see how that makes sense, because in their eyes, we really do. 
Because what worship means to a Protestant and a Catholic is completely different. To a Catholic, the word worship means sacrifice. Worship has to do with the Mass. Worship has one proper place, and that is before the Lord himself in the Eucharist, when he himself is offering the one sacrifice that saves. To non-Catholics, worship is songs, prayers, and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And while all of that is beautiful and something Catholics also participate in, it is absolutely prayer and not worship. The psalm continues to direct us as to why we offer worship in thanksgiving. For he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. Catholic worship cannot divorce the saving action of the resurrection from the sacrificial action of the cross. That is why we have the body of Christ on the cross and other denominations do not. The crucifix reminds us, he is our God and we are the people that treated him this way. It reminds us our proper place in the order of reality. He is God and we are not. The scripture orients our sense of worship, and for Catholics, worship means one very specific thing, gathering around the altar of sacrifice in right relationship with our God. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So the psalm has reminded us first to start with praise for the Lord. Then it directs us to offer worship to the Lord because he is who he is. If that isn't enough, the psalm continues to spark the memory of the reader in two specific ways. First, to remind us of the great victory over death, when at Meribah and Massa, the Lord led the people of Israel to salvation. Second, to make you recall a time in your life that the Lord has delivered you from hardship, so that you may draw encouragement, strength, and hope. Meribah in Hebrew means testing, and Massa means quarreling. So the psalm wants to bring to your mind the full context of the situation. Moses and the people are arguing. They have no water in the desert, and they're kind of starting to freak out and not trust in the Lord. God is testing Moses, and he does so by the means of the people's quarreling with him. Moses fails. And because of his actions, he is barred from leading them into the promised land. So what does this story say in warning? The psalm says this, quote, Oh, that you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts. Do not let them be hardened like the people's hearts at Meribah and Massa, who did not trust the Lord to deliver them. Do not let them be like Moses, the leader who had clear instructions and chose his own will instead. Do not let your hearts be hardened. Continue to praise the Lord in the times of joy when it is easy to pray. Hold on to the hope in those times when it seems hopeless as it did for the Israelites. It was prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, I'm sorry, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. All we need to do is ask. If you feel your heart is stone, ask the Lord to replace your heart 
with his sacred heart. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The entire goal of Catholicism is to have a soft, malleable heart that the Lord can shape after his own. The more we understand this, the more the other three readings from this morning make complete sense and need no further discussion.